0: It most of the
1: time. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Budding Heads podcast on Rams Talk Radio. I'm C. Barbera, as always, here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, you know, when we were kicking around names when we were starting the podcast one that I really liked and wanted the podcast to be was fifty million guaranteed named after former Ram's number one draft pick Sam Bradford and his fifty million guaranteed dollars today we have an n f l player who has four hundred and seventy seven million guaranteed dollars uh we have come a long way as a sport since two thousand ten
3: that's just damn what the hell am i doing with my life
1: (laughs) i mean was was that sam that sam bradford contract was like uh i feel like that was maybe the highest like guarantee at the time when when he signed it uh i
3: i'm not entirely sure it could have been it was for surely the highest guaranteed for a rookie ever yeah um it, but you're right. It could have been, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, was Goff's guarantee the highest guaranteed ever?
1: Uh, I, I, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was when he signed that. What are you like 120 million guaranteed?
3: I think it was a hundred million guaranteed, something like that. It was absurdly high. Yeah. And you have four hundred and thirty million, or no, four hundred and seventy-seven million guaranteed.
1: You want to you want to hear something disgusting? Just as I was doing the Sam Bradford research, this literally just ruined my day. We Jason Smith, when we drafted him second overall, his contract was a five-year, sixty-two million-dollar contract with thirty-three million dollars in guaranteed money. Ouch that that is absolutely <laughs> gross man holy shit <laughs> yeah. uh,
3: if i've ever wanted to face Palm as a fan uh that that's certainly one of them
1: good god what wow. what a train wreck of a contract uh, anyways yeah we we're going to talk a little bit more about this Pat Mahomes contract we're also going to Look at our top 10 current Rams on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Before we do, guys, we're two reviews away from 200 on Apple Podcasts. We're almost there. Again, get your reviews in if you want a chance to win a Rams jersey, customized, whoever you want, any player, new jersey, old jersey, whatever. Uh, Submit your five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot. Send it via email to ramstalk1945.gmail.com. Mention who is giving the review give us your name and you will be entered that only two spots left in the sweepstakes so uh we're we're almost there this this might be it hopefully next week uh Derek will be announcing a winner on his show but that, that's it if you haven't got him in got him in get him in but yeah man so we have been you know I in past conversations when we talk about Jared Goff when we've you know, whenever we talk about Dak Prescott, and, but I mean, mainly when we talk about this Jared Goff contract, when he signed in the years that come or the years that have come since, like you, you knew that even after Pat Mahomes, after his first season, you knew that when he was going to come up for an extension, it was going to be just, it was going to reset the market and everything you knew. And when Goff signed at the time, you know, a a I think our biggest reason was that, you know, you know you can win with the guy. You want to lock him up, even if it feels like a lot of money. But also, and the reason why I've been saying the Cowboys would be insane not to sign Dak Prescott to long term is for that reason that, yeah, you know you can win with the guy. And but B when this contract was signed, we all knew it was going to just be something just completely outrageous like comically large amounts of money I don't think anyone would have predicted a 10-year contract which I mean we haven't seen a 10-year contract in football I I don't know if we ever have but like if we have in fucking years man uh that those things do not happen anymore and they've never happened certainly with every single dollar being guaranteed basically uh it you know he has opt-outs if his guaranteed money isn't met and all that over the course of 10 years but it seems like essentially every year he's gonna get around 50 million dollars i don't know what the, the progression of it is i'm sure it probably i don't know if it starts lower and builds up i don't know if it starts higher and builds down uh but they have this guy under contract for 12 more years which like is i i think it's gonna be 37 when his contract expires like if you're the Cowboys, man, you're staring at this deal and you're like, what, why did we not pay Dak Prescott like, you know, four years, uh, 150 million or whatever, whatever it's going to take. But because I, I don't think like Dak obviously is not going to give this money. Even to Sean Watson, who I think is playing in a contract here this year, up his fifth year option, but, uh, the, like though like that he's going to get paid a lot of money and you no, they're not going to get 10 years 500 million dollars but uh it will reset the market for everyone surely in the past it seems like whenever a new quarterback inks their deal they become the highest paid quarterback in the league i i, I don't think that happens anymore uh with this contract being out there and how massive it is but at the same time this is a Huge win for every quarterback coming up on a contract.
3: In a world where quarterback is worth more than a private helicopter, (laughs) private islands, and even a stadium, you get Patrick Mahomey. Sorry, I I might have turned away a few uh, listeners with that one. But... (laughs) Yes, this, this is a very good point because if you're the Cowboys right now, you're kind of, well, for lack of a better word, you're kind of shitting bricks here because, first of all, Prescott was asking for around $40 million. At least that's what the rumors were saying. And now you're basically looking at a quarterback that while technically in the books for 45 million a year, it's going to be more like 50, as you said. So, yeah, you can almost be assured that Dak is probably going to get 40 million one way or another. And it, when you look at Jared Goff's contract, it doesn't seem that bad anymore. I mean, it's still pretty heavy. Don't get me wrong, 34, about 33, 34 million is still a lot of money. But I mean, man. Compared compared to Patrick Mahomes, forty five to fifty million a year. Whew! I, you know that that's that's a big pill to swallow, you know. And and in Mahomes' case, is he worth it? In the long run, it's hard to say. In the immediate future, absolutely, he's worth it. He's the best quarterback in football right now. So, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see though how. Kansas City is able to sign some of their uh, upcoming free agents in the future because this is going to take away quite a bit of cap space, let's face it.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, it, it, you have to keep the guy. Uh, your best chance is to win with him. He's probably the best quarterback in the NFL right now, uh, like at worst top three. Uh, and yeah, I, <laughs> I was I was trying to find a, the best comparison to the money I could find after your rousing speech. In 2018, the Carolina Hurricanes NFL NHL franchise sold for 420 million dollars, which is 50 million less than Pat Mahomes is making on this contract. So he's worth more than multiple hockey franchises, which is fucking crazy, man. Uh, what what a world! It's yeah, that yeah, they're gonna have trouble building like playing with that cap space they're gonna to have to get creative but they got their Super Bowl win with the guy and their best chance to win Super Bowls in the future is gonna be uh w- with him under contract I mean look you look at you look at the ways like this is one thing but last time they had a lot of cap space they gave Sammy Watkins like 17 million dollars a year and basically with that dead weight not that he was dead weight like he he had value. He's still a decent player. But, you know, with the weight of that contract on their books, they still won the Super Bowl. So uh, I, I've i always been, if, if you got guys that are studs, you know, I think you should pay them, uh, you know, if unless it seems like a decline is coming. And for Pat Mahomes, he started two full seasons. One of them he won an MVP. One of them he won a Super Bowl MVP. So yeah, it's it, – <laughs> I – I think for him a lot of people were like why why would you sign you know for 10 years uh in, in 5 years that contract's going to be a bargain and it might be depending on what happens with the cap but you no know, you, if you're an NFL player the most you know it, it's probably the most volatile sport in that one play can end your career uh you get your bag man that's a lot of guaranteed money and I think it like if, if an injury happens and ends correct, I th- think he still gets, uh, I don't know if I read this but like 150 million or, or around that. So, I mean, if I'm an NFL player and I'm offered a 10 year contract at $50 million annually, I don't care if in 2029, that contract is going to be a bargain for the team. You take the money, man. Like absolutely <laughs> in any scenario. And I, I think for the chiefs, you know, you, lock, you, you got this guy locked up. He's never going to leave. I mean, he he's one of the, the biggest stars in the NFL right now, and let's be honest, he plays in one of the smallest markets in the NFL. Uh, you get him out in the books locked in, there's no fear of him him walking away and leaving. So I, I think for both sides, as insane as it sounds, it was the right call. And, I mean, you worry about the rest later. You keep your guy. And, and as you mentioned for Goff, like, if – if he plays like he did last year, I still don't think that contract is good. But I mean, if he plays like he did two years ago, or even somewhere in between that level of last year and twenty eighteen, given what we know now with this, and given what you can anticipate Dak is going to get, you can anticipate Sean Watson is going to get, or any good quarterback coming up uh, in free agency. Uh, yeah, you are f- fine with it. You live with it, and you hope he rebounds. And if he rebounds, if that that money's fine, uh, that, mon- that money's totally fine.
3: Deshaun Watson is going to get paid bank. Uh, Let's put it that way. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I have no idea if it's going to be with the Texans because they're making some very questionable decisions lately. But regardless, this guy's going to get paid. As for Dak, I'm sure he'll get paid, but I don't know if he'll get Deshaun Watson money. Uh, I'll put it right out there. I would much rather have Deshaun Watson over Dak Prescott any day.
1: Oh, I, I mean... It's a, as a DAC advocate, you'd have to be insane. I mean, when when we did our quarterback show with Jared Goff and what quarterbacks were better, we didn't even discuss Deshaun Watson because uh, I I think that's an absolute no brainer. Uh, you look at <laughs> yeah, so Mahomes' average on this contract is forty five million dollars a year, four hundred fifty million. Like, you know, when Watson comes up, man, he might. I don't think they're going to give him 10 years, but he's going to be pushing that average money. If 45 million is the average, I think Dak probably, you know, I think he might get his 40 million now. And honestly, when Watson comes up, given how good of a talent he is, when Lamar Jackson comes up, I don't know if teams would lock in 10 years, those guys, but they're going to get close to that annual salary i think and it's just it's how it is with quarterbacks we know when a new quarterback comes up they usually become the highest paid or in the bubble of the highest paid guy in the nfl and that's you know you look at the top the top uh 10 annual quarterback contracts in the nfl right now Jared Goff's up there pat mahomes obviously up there and then it's like Kirk Cousins is up there. Uh Carson Wetz is up there. Matt Ryan's up there. Brian Tannehill is up there. Uh, because these are the guys that can that came up uh for for contracts recently. Holy shit. Is, is Jacoby Brissett actually making what the hell? Jacoby Brissett's number right here it says twenty seven million annually. That cannot be accurate, right? No fucking way. It,
3: it might be. Yeah, it, it might be because I do recall that the Colts uh, – wow. Yeah. So, I. So, I, I um.
1: Not to get off topic, but the Colts are spending $51 million on quarterbacks this season? Not to mention they're probably still paying Andrew Luck money?
2: What yeah. What
4: the that... fuck? Holy
1: shit, man. That is crazy. <laughs> I did not realize that he was making that much money. Wow!
3: I know he was making an absurd amount, but I think twenty-seven million is more than I thought.
1: That's more than Garoppolo <laughs> makes annually on his contract. More than Matt Stafford. Uh, I mean, Jesus, man!
3: What? I'd rather Matt Stafford.
1: That's that's insane. Um. Anyways, you got any you got any more thoughts on on the Mahomes deal?
3: Uh just to, just a segue or would you like to segue into uh the next topic?
1: Sure. Uh well, we will not be seeing Patrick Mahomes playing most likely in the preseason this year. Not cuz he's being rested, but cuz there's not going to be a preseason. Uh it seems like the NFLPA recommended or or unanimously voted that they would recommend not having one. And honestly, uh, it, to me, it feels like the right call. I mean, it would make sense to kind of get footing, uh, in a real game, but you got to limit as much, no traveling as you can for the season, as much player to player contact as you can, you know, you're going to have games obviously if, if the season comes through, if it actually happens, but guy, guys are going to get infected most likely um and you don't want it to happen in the preseason you want to limit it as much as possible hopefully like in a perfect world nobody gets infected or very limited uh, as a result of playing but i it it doesn't make sense to play meaningless games when you're not quarantining players in the same location like in the nba they're gonna have scrimmages but they're all there already uh the nfl you know do the rams really need to travel to Las Vegas to play a preseason game? No, they don't. And I'm sure other teams are scheduled to travel farther than we are. So it it, it, to, it makes it, it seems like a no-brainer to me.
3: It it's uh certainly in in regards to player safety, it's absolutely 100% the right call. And if you're really a league or an organization or whatever you want to call it, you certainly want to do what's best for the people that's making you money. In this case, the NFL players. So in that, in that regard, it's absolutely 100% the right thing to do. If, if it's going to be a risk and it's an unnecessary risk, then don't do it. It's, it's as simple as that. Now, does that have consequences Absolutely. Yeah, there's no question whatsoever. It's going to have a lot of consequences for teams, particularly like the Rams. So the thing is, the Rams have quite a few uncertainties heading into the 2020 season. So things like training camp, things like preseason are absolutely vital in terms of kind of weeding out the roster and basically helping them decide who will be starters who will be backups who will even make the team at all and this is a very big blow to rookies to undrafted free agents the this is who it's going to affect the most and for positions like the rams for like an inside linebacker it's going to be incredibly challenging you know this isn't this isn't going to be an easy thing because the uncertainty is so high here. And then on top of that, you're in a n- brand new defensive scheme with uh, Brandon Staley. While it is similar for sure, I'm sure they're going to try and stay as close to Wade Phillips defensive scheme as possible. It's still a huge change regardless if they try and keep, keep it similar or not. So, there's a lot of things that it's going to affect. Even if you just simply cut the preseason for safety, it it's going to have a huge impact on teams and especially the Rams, I'll say.
1: And I think, you know, we're, if week one happens, we're all going to be just elated that it's happening. And we're going to look past all this, but it will be some of the most disgusting NFL football we've ever seen played. Uh, teams are coming in with no preseason. There is gonna be no fans. Like a- a- any team like us, with even though the defensive system is gonna be a little similar, but it's different. Uh, different personnel. Any teams with new head coaches, it is gonna be rough to watch. And yeah, the position battles are gonna suffer. Uh, you know, you are really basing it off of just camp, and I mean, who knows what camps even gonna look like uh, given given the the precautions all the teams are gonna take. It's it's gonna be weird, man. And yeah, it's it's gonna. It's going to, like the Rams, I don't think, I think there's teams in the NFL that will hurt more than the Rams without a preseason. Uh, you know, you look at teams with new coaches, you look at teams with new quarterbacks, like the Buccaneers, uh, even though I guess Tom Brady's not really getting many preseason reps, actually, so that might not be the best comparison. Maybe like Carolina, like, that's a team that's probably going to be greatly affected by this. I it, it, It's going to be tough, and it's going to make week one a much worse product, but it's, it's the right call. Uh, If you if you're gonna try and do this, I think you have to eliminate that.
3: For sure, at the end of the day, this is this is all about safety. It's no different than how you know the the blue collar jobs are look are approaching uh, COVID nineteen protocol. You want to be safe. You know the players are no different. They they have families. They have children. You know, so they're they're gonna want to be as safe as possible too.
1: Yeah, and, and they I would hope the players are gonna be quarantining you know as much as they literally can, uh, but some players might not, and you never you never know. You don't need unnec- to add in unnecessarily travel and unnecessary risk to to basically go play a practice. Uh, and it'll be nice if they let like the Rams scrimmage the Chargers because they're all in the same place, but. I don't think they will. I think they've already announced there's going to be no scrimmages, and I definitely don't think they'll let any happen because uh, it'd be unfair to the, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs can't really go play anybody. There's not really anyone in their radius that they could just drive to. So uh, I don't think we'll see any scrimmages. But, yeah, it's it'll be interesting what the impact of, of that whole thing is, not having it. But let's move on to the – the title track so to say of the episode the top 10 rams on the offensive side of the ball johnny i don't know about you but i feel like this list would have been a lot easier to make last july uh i i just scribbled one down like while we're talking and i felt i feel way more sure about how i would have ranked the players last offseason this season it's uh, there's a lot of uncertainty with a lot of guys and, you know, I feel pretty good about my top five and then six or 10. I feel, I don't feel great about.
3: The funny thing is I was totally prepared to say that as well. The top <laughs> five, I, I think no matter how you rank them, you pretty much are going to have the same top five, but beyond that six through 10, like I, between number 10 and an honorable mention, like I keep going back and forth just because there's an uncertainty there kind of a preview for my uh for my list there but yeah it it's it's insane because I I really don't know what to put in some of these so it, it's going to be interesting to see how your list compares to mine and if we butt heads at all with the top 5 I I don't imagine we will but we'll see
1: yeah and like you know, if there was more certainty on with a lot of these guys, a lot of them, I mean, I don't know what we're going to get. But if there was more certainty, I probably wouldn't rank one of our rookies. And I ended up ranking one of our rookies because I feel like I kind of had to. Uh, but it, let, let, so let's start. Who Who's your number 10 and who's the honorable mention behind him?
3: <sighs> OK, so number 10. I kind of feel like I'm disrespecting this guy in a, in a way by putting him at number 10, but I kind of feel like I have to at number 10. I'm putting Daryl Henderson. And the reason being is because last year we didn't get really much of a sample size and the sample size. We did get wasn't all that positive. So also coming in as a rookie that may or may not take your starting job. So I, I think there's a ton of potential with, daryl henderson but i i just i don't know if i can rank him any higher than number 10 and my honorable mention was gerald everett but i don't know if i can really put him there either because i i don't know how much of a role he's gonna have with tyler higby being your main starter and i don't know if bryson hopkins is gonna have a role but I imagine that they'll try and get him more reps because he's the future and I do think a lot of potential in Gerald Everett, but I I just I think he's gonna be eventually traded anyway. So yeah, I put him as an honorable mention.
1: If if Everett's on the team all season, I would be floored if Bryce Hopkins Bryson Hopkins had any any role whatsoever. Uh, You know, we've drafted guys in that range. I mean, shit. look at Daryl Henderson and David Long last year. We took him in the third round. Uh, Henderson had a little impact. David Long barely played. So, I mean, I think they're fine with essentially redshirting Bryson Hopkins if Gerald Heverett is on the team. Uh, But you're right, he might get traded. I actually did have him as number 10, uh, and I don't have Daryl Henderson on my list uh, for a lot of the reasons you said. And there were some flashes last year. Uh, I don't think there was a ton of negatives, but... The fact that we saw you know, we saw the production again we from Todd Gurley, and while I thought they should have given the ball a little more, at the same time he wasn't exactly firing on all cylinders, and Henderson's still not really getting much action. And the fact that they drafted a guy at fifty-two at a position where we thought, hey, maybe we just let let it rock with Daryl Henderson. We have a lot of needs to fill. They chose to fill that need with their first pick in the draft. To, to me, it was all too much to kind of. I, I had to leave my List and I had to include Everett because uh, while I don't know how big his role is gonna be, I don't know how long he's gonna be here, he's shown a lot of good things. And there not everything is great, and I think he's still a little rough. Tight ends take longer to develop than other positions. Heading into year four, uh, you know, if his role is gonna be you being used in twelve personnel as a primary receiving threat, uh and Higby is the more the guy's more in all the situations I mean, I, I think that'll be fine if he's on the team. And if he's on the team all year, I think he will make some big plays, uh, be relied on a little bit, and play well. But, you know, the way that Tyler Higby just absolutely buried this dude in the depth chart while he was out with an injury, and you flip that to the fact that Higby missed a game with an injury and Everett did nothing of the of the same to, like, take that job. He had, like, one catch, I think, that game uh, that Higby missed. You know, I... I am a 10 and I think I kind of know, you know, he could be higher, he could be lower depending on how much they use him or if Murphy's even on the team. But he, I feel like he, I had to give him the nod over Henderson and they were the, they were the two guys I was going back and forth between.
3: I, I like how both you and I were thinking the exact same players in the honorable mention in number 10, even though we both kind of chose differently, but they were the same two players. I, I, I think that's freaking hilarious
1: we'll see we we are kind of a uh a group a group think podcast on a lot of topics (laughs) we kind of say the same shit number number nine I'll go first I had David Edwards here uh was a rookie guard for us last year I believe a a fifth round pick you know out of the five guards that we gave actual playing time to last season that started games I think he was the best one by far and that includes Austin Blythe uh who will be higher than him on my list but I, I specifically at guard I think he played better than him. He I I feel like he's going to kind of be competing for a job but I feel like he should be a lock to be one of those two guard spots. Uh I I think he played very well with you no know, he didn't have the high of expectations but I think he over- exceeded them and I think he'll be fine at worst this year. Uh hopefully he develops into something better. He's he showed a lot of promise. Uh, and out of all you know, the rookie or second year or third year or whatever guard, guards and offensive linemen we have, he was, he was by far the most impressive to me. I liked a lot of what I saw from Bobby Evans, but uh, Edward, Edwards felt like the guy that deserved the nod.
3: Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, for my number nine, I went with rookie Cam Akers just because... I, I love Cam Akers. I think he's certainly gonna be a guy that's gonna that's gonna turn a lot of heads next year. Uh or this year rather. Um or potentially next year, if you think of the whole COVID situation. But yeah. um Cam Akers, I think, has a ton of potential and normally I wouldn't have included him on the list, but just because the there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of, uh, well, just not very good players on the offense. Um, so I, I felt like compelled to use him because I think the potential is certainly there. And if he's anything like what he's hyped up to be, this is going to be someone to really watch out for and can certainly skyrocket higher on this list if he lives up to his potential. But that's just it. he. He's based on potential, which is why you have the two running backs, which oddly enough is on the bottom of the list um, at nine and ten. I still think these guys are very talented and could skyrocket on the list maybe next year. But for now, this is kind of where I have them.
1: And I, I have him eight. So I mean, I'm I'm in the same ballpark as you. The potential is going to be huge. Uh, you don't take that guy at fifty-two if you're if you don't plan on. Uh, at the very worst having him lead your running back committee I think he'll probably more of a more of a workhorse and I think we'll see uh Henderson sprinkled in there uh maybe like a mix of how the Saints used to play Ingram and Kamara except I would think uh Akers would have a little bit bigger role than Ingram while Henderson is a little smaller role than Kamara but yeah, I, I I think he he seems like he's going to be a, a great a great running back for us. Uh, hopefully, the next great in a long line of running backs. You know, we've had a lot of them. Uh, I hope he can join the club. And yeah, if there was more certainty with the guys around him, uh, I probably would have him lower. But I I can't really justify ranking him behind anyone else on the team. Who who'd you have at very number Very fair. Very fair. Number eight
3: is David Edwards. (laughs) So, yeah, much like what Steve was saying, he was certainly one of the more impressive rookies on this team last year. And offensively, he was kind of one of the biggest surprises, I'll say, because we weren't even sure David Edwards was going to play for the first couple games. He wasn't even on the active roster, if you could believe that. And I think he's earned – Enough to be a starter. Now, there is somewhat of a competition, as you mentioned, but I was really impressed with David Edwards. While he wasn't perfect, we have to remember the dude was a rookie and he was still starting and playing relatively well. So I believe that David Edwards can only improve from here, I hope anyway. So, um, yeah, I think number eight is kind of a nice spot for him just because um, he is somewhat proven and hopefully he improves even more
1: yeah i i would imagine that they they run it back with uh edwards and corbett as the guards Un- unless like bobby evans can, can play guard like very well uh in the preseason in that case maybe he gets thrown in there but i, w- I would say even that he gets thrown in over corbett uh, before edwards so yeah uh <laughs> we got all the same guys in that range who do you have at seven
3: At number seven, I went with Austin Blythe, the center. So, well, I feel like Austin Blythe is heavily underrated for whatever reason. And don't get me wrong, as a guard last year, he was not impressive at all. In fact, it was actually very disappointing. But as a center, I felt like he kind of revitalized his career of sorts. And I was really impressed with Austin Blythe being the center which was one of the players you and I both had as a top priority to bring back in uh, 2020. Yep. So personally, Austin Blythe, I think, deserves a spot on this list because I, I think he's, he's a lot more talented than people give him credit for. And having like an offensive line chemistry and cohesiveness, I think is going to benefit the Rams overall. So hopefully he continues to develop and continues to excel at the center position. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you one thing, even if you're not a big fan of Blythe, he was light years ahead of Brian Allen. Brian Allen did not work. And to his defense, he's still very young and in a way he could develop. But like, I just I don't see it, at least not at this moment
1: fine fine with Brian Allen in a reserve role uh I do not want to see him enter a season as a starter with us unless he really proves something while somebody's injured I so I had I had Blyde six so I guess I'll just talk about him now he it was a tail two seasons the first half at guard uh, he he did not play well uh he wasn't the biggest problem on the line but did not play well but the second half of the year he he played extremely well at center which is which is his more natural position uh, a position that he's played more in the past. They played with the Colts, I believe. So I, yeah, I like what you see. You know, you know what you're going to get. He, he, He's good. Not great, but he's good. He's, he's going to be reliable. He's not going to be the reason your offensive line sucks. And he's not going to be the reason your offensive line is great. But he can be, he can be a cog in a great offensive line as we saw in 2018. And uh, at center, I think he played really well. To me, that's why I have him. Uh, he's my second best lineman on the team right now. Because number seven, I actually had, Rob Havenstein who was atrocious last year uh and if you asked me in after the 2018 season which one of these guys I'd rank ahead I think I feel like I'd laugh and say it's not even close between the two but uh after 2019 I I can't have Havenstein over Blyde but I will say he was injured he was banged up he's had a long time to recover uh he was really good in 2018 and 2017 so I, I I have to have him on the list, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping he bounces back. I think he's going to get obvious. I, there might be a little competition between him and Bobby Evans, who replaced him and played better, but uh, I, I think they give him the job. He's still on the team. They're financially invested in him. And, look, he's played really well previously. So hopefully it was just like a twilight zone year for Havenstein, and he bounces back. So I have him seventh, and I have Blythe sixth.
3: Wow, you make me feel like a disrespectful asshole after that one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not have him on your list? I don't have him on my list wow.
1: at all. <laughs> wow, so can I so, guess can I guess who your number six guy is before before you talk about Havenstein? Go for it. I'm gonna guess yeah, I'm, it's Josh Reynolds who's not on my list.
3: Yes, that is actually my number wow. six guy.
1: I figure because the top five is really okay. obvious, but yeah, I talk about you can talk about Havenstein, and then we'll talk about Reynolds.
3: So the reason why I don't have Havenstein is really obvious. Is he he just freaking tanked last year? Like there is no question. I don't. I, I think even Rob Havenstein himself would would probably agree with us. It, he was not the same player that he was in two thousand eighteen. Now we don't know yet if it was because of an injury or if it was because of losing Roger Saffold or if he just isn't the same player anymore. We, we don't know. And for that reason, I I left him off the list because he was just that bad. Like I felt like he harmed the performance of the overall offense By simply being there, that's how bad he was. If we're going to give him some credit, though, in 2018 and actually even previously, he was one of the Rams' more solid offensive linemen. So it's kind of easy to forget that. me I mean, me's being proof of that for not even including him in the top 10. But um, it's easy to forget that because of how horrible he played last year. And, yeah, I don't even have him as an honorable mention, so that makes me feel extremely bad.
1: Um, <laughs> I mean, he deserves it for last year. He was fucking awful. And, yeah, he he really did just—he brought the whole offensive line down. Like, he brought the whole line down with him. Uh, his performance was inexplainable. And, you know, if we were ranking the top ten players on the Rams offense last season, he would not be on my list. But I think— Going into 2020 with expectations wise, you know, if I'm going to rank a rookie who hasn't played yet uh, because of what I'm hoping is going to happen, you know, I, I feel like I have to include Havenstein because I, I, I'm I hopeful that he will bounce back to that 2018-2017 form. But uh, I'm not going to judge you for not including him. I, I think it's fair and I think he deserves it. Uh, he deserves to be raked over the coals for last season and hopefully he knows that and, and plays well. And uh, in, in, the, in the next season, uh, whenever that is, but uh, I, Josh Reynolds, you know, I kind of said J- or Daryl Henderson was my honorable mention. I feel like I, I probably would actually rank Reynolds 11 and Henderson 12. Josh Reynolds is good. Yeah, you know, he's fine. He's a fine third receiver. But you know, like Henderson, they did draft a guy at 57 and. They didn't even take, like, the home run swing receiver. You know, they kind of took uh, a guy who seems like a, a higher floor, lower ceiling player in Van Jefferson. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I, I wouldn't have Josh Reynolds. And also, he, he's gotten chances to, you know, really break out. He's played a lot over the last two years. He has been bad. But, you know, he hasn't, rarely has he wowed me. And I know he we we've come around on him because we thought he was like awful at first uh in his rookie season but uh he he's played he's played fine he's played okay uh but he, he got a lot of time over the last two seasons and really um especially last year he, he just didn't really blow me away with anything he did and for that reason i i don't expect him to have a massive role on the team this year and i i, that just, I just left him off
3: uh just so we're clear I never want to be more wrong than I am about Rob Havenstein. And I'll I'll, I'll shut up about Havenstein now. (laughs) But Josh Reynolds, the reason why I have not him at number six is because I've had probably a more... I don't think I've ever had a more up-and-down type about a player like Josh Reynolds. I remember when the Rams initially drafted him, I was really excited at first. And in the first season or two, he just was like so forgettable. And some of the things he was doing was just downright upsetting
1: because he has so much potential. There was the (laughs) uh, the infamous play where he didn't, I don't remember if he dropped it or just didn't really try to catch a pass on a big punt that we just, like, raked him over. Uh, It's just that one play we just completely turned on the guy until he got actual playing time and played all right. But, yeah, that was one of the big moments early on. We were like, what is this guy doing?
3: Yeah, that's exactly. And I, I, it's kind of hard to forget a moment like that because it was – like, that's your time to shine. What are you doing? And he just completely, like, lackadaisically played that play. And it, it was just, it was awful. Now, kind of rising up a little bit here, the past two seasons, Josh Reynolds has really stepped up when it mattered most. Now, don't get me wrong, he, he he's not, like, really a hero or anything. He's never really kind of elevated this team um to a next level by him being there. He's made some impressive plays and contributed where it counted at times, but was he this amazing amazing player? I don't think so. But one of the reasons why I'm ranking him so high on this list is because I feel like with this type of offense, he can really shine. You know, the offense is changing more in his favor than even more so I feel like than in uh 2018 um so he can certainly benefit from this offense particularly in goal line situations and i feel like him and pretty much any of the other tight ends on the roster are going to be very much the go-to guys in the red zone and until we see any sort of progress from the ground game i feel like this is what's going to happen um in the red zone plays is that Goff is going to try and one of them, and I feel like Reynolds has become a little more reliable in that sense. So, I'm expecting a big year out of Reynolds, especially for him, because this is going to be a contract year for him. And if he's any any good at all, he's gonna he's he's gonna definitely earn a contract for another team because there's no way the Rams are going to be able to bring him back.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I I'd be surprised if he's back in uh in, in 2021. But I, I will say he caught five touchdowns in 2018. He kind of did have that role you're describing the red zone. But I, I think Cooper Cup will be the the receiver that gets the most red zone targets. Uh, maybe not more than the tight ends, but I, I think he'll see them a little more than uh, Reynolds. Goff love store on touchdowns to Cup, but you never know because Todd Gurley ate a lot of those touchdowns last year and. Especially in the couple of years prior, so th- those spots are opening up, and and he could have a, he could have a role. I even though I don't have him on my list, though I, everyone past the next guy we're going to talk about is a huge crapshoot to me, uh, and I can't really blame you for ranking him ahead of any of these guys. So, yeah, I, yeah, I feel like I feel like we probably have the same number five. Go for it, I got Tyler Tyler Higby,
3: yep, that's exactly like <laughs> i don't i
1: I don't know if we're gonna have the same four through one, but I felt like we would both have higby i uh, I mean, I feel like we've talked about it. I feel like the last like six months of podcast I've just been praising Tyler Higby, uh which is a world I never thought I'd live in, but uh the way he played in those last five games, you know he always been a reliable blocker uh but he showed that he can be a dare i say elite tight receiving tight end in the in that stretch he was it was a historically good uh tight end run you know i don't have the stats here but i would guess that it was one of if not the best single seasons receiving yards wise from a rams tight end ever because uh you know we do not have a a glowing <laughs> history at that position it's like as bad as pre abraham lincoln presidents like after you get after like james madison it's just like a crapshoot of awful presidents um uh, but they, he he's he might he's gonna go down as the best item we've ever had when he when he leaves like i, I will say it right now and it's yeah. not what'd you say
3: uh, i'm agreeing with you man that that's absolutely true
1: yeah and it's it's ridiculous that that's true uh which is another topic for another podcast but shit man, 700 yards a year, if, if he can do that, I, I will take it, uh, He does, he's number 5, he's earned that contract that he got, uh, which I railed the team for giving him, so it, it feels good to rank him here, if I ranked last year, I, I scribbled down what I would have hypothetically done last offseason, I feel like I would have had him at the highest 10, but knowing me, I probably wouldn't have even rank him, but he, I feel good about him at 5, uh, and he's there's a big gap between him and the guys that we just named.
3: Absolutely. Uh, there's no question. Like I said, um, the, the top five, you, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to have the same players for the top five. Uh, if not, there's something wrong, but uh, they may not be in a, in the same order, but yeah, Tyler Higbee deserves to be mentioned in the top five and to, to be, Honest, he, he has room for growth here. I think if he continues to be that player that we saw towards the end of the 2019 season, that this is a guy that's going to be incredibly valuable to the Rams offense as a whole. You know, his blocking is pretty good, may not be the best blocking out of the, uh, you know, select group of tight ends here, but um, not bad. And in terms of receiving, he's one of the better receiving tight ends if we're going by the end of the year in the NFL. And that's incredible to know. So it's very possible that he can climb the list in 2021 if he continues to develop, you know, Um, and a better Higby in 2020 is something I'm hoping to see, which I think we will.
1: Yeah, and I think even if, uh, you know, even if they do decide to kind of use him and Everett evenly and he he doesn't hit the number uh, of yards he had last year, which was obviously carried by the last five games, you know, I think he's still going to be, I I have no doubts that he's going to be a productive and useful tight end, even even if, you know, even if he's not the number one option like he was for a couple games last year, which I doubt he will be. Uh, He could even end up being like the fourth or fifth option in the passing game. I don't think that's going to happen, but... Uh, I, I think that we know now what we have and this guy. He's a damn good tight end and he's he's going to be fine. And hopefully he'll be he'll be good on our team for a couple of years. He's only 27. So uh, I I I feel good about the future of Tyler Higbee would not have said that last July. No shot.
3: <laughs> last July, you'd still be rake, raking him over the coals with the contract.
1: Yeah, that contract blew my mind at the time, but. Clearly, I was wrong, and, and they knew something I didn't. Uh, and, and, what, like, I don't want to dwell on this, but you could say, like, yeah, Leslie knows what he's doing with contracts. Well, we basically just cut two giant extensions he he gave out. So I don't know that he does. Uh, he, he Even at the time of this contract, I will still defend my stance at the time. This was an awful decision, but clearly it worked out, and I'm happy to have him. Anyways, speaking of ridiculous extensions, Johnny, my number four guy is Jared Goff.
3: Okay. Interesting.
1: <laughs> you know, I I'm still confident about him. Uh you know, last year I would have ranked him a little higher, but this year, you know, given given his, his shakiness last year, I, I I can't really I can't go any higher than four here. Uh I'm optimistic that next season he could be number one on this list, at least one or two. But, you know, he he didn't adapt well to the situation of having a worse offensive line and a worse running game last year, as much as I would have hoped. The the positives was that he got the ball out quick. Uh, they they had the lowest sacks in, in the league, which is not a testament to the offensive line. It's a testament to him. But at the same time, he was missing more throws than I've ever noticed. He had more turnovers than he's ever had. He didn't really take care of the ball. Some of those turnovers weren't his fault. A lot of them were really sloppy and could have been avoided. Uh, But that being said, he did still make some great throws. His numbers were still all right. Uh, And, you know, if I'm ranking Havenstein in this list because of what he did previously, you know, I have to factor that into Goff. And in that regard, uh, you know, He's four with a lot of room to grow with me. It's not really a negative. It's just uh, I-, I can't put him ahead of the other three guys.
3: I-, I can see why you would rank him at number four. And and quite honestly, the the next four guys, I think, are, are guys you can put them in any spot here just because they're that valuable to the team. But um, for me at number four, I have Cooper Cup. And the reason being is we, you know, even in the 2018 season when he went out with an injury, the Ram fans knew how valuable Cooper Cup was to the team, even though he didn't play the entire season. In 2019, he came out guns blazing, showing the world what what he can do. You know, and you know, had again, I, I kind of always bring up the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Had he played in that Super Bowl, could it have been a different story. I don't know, but I certainly like the Rams' odds a little bit better. And I I respect Cooper Cup a lot. Um, towards the end of last season, he did kind of quiet down a lot, and um, I I don't necessarily blame Cooper Cup for that. But I also do think he he's kind of, you know, he's kind of a guy that needs other players around him to be better for him to be better. And that's basically the type of receiver he'll always be. He'll always be a really good receiver, someone that is a go-to for golf. He's reliable in that sense. And for me, I think a solid four guy uh, with the potential to rise, you know, maybe as high as number three, um, I think Cooper Cup's a, a solid player. Uh, from uh, I think four is a good spot for him.
1: Yeah, I have a little higher, but he, you know, it. If we're going to talk about like Blythe and that, praise him for the l- second half of the season, you know, I don't know what the fuck happened with Cooper Cup in the back half of the season. Uh, some games he he just wasn't playing as much uh, down the stretch for whatever reason, I don't really know, understand why, but, uh, he, he came off that 220 yard game and in, you know, in the next six games that followed his 220 yard performance. He had 240 yards, uh, which is, it was honestly just baffling. And, uh, he made up for it kind of down the end of the stretch. He, he scored a touchdown in each of his last five games, uh, but he wasn't being relied on yardage wise as much as he was early on and it was a little confusing but uh, you know like you said he was missing the Super Bowl and it, it would be silly to not rank, rank him in, in this group of the top four uh, I actually did have him a little higher than New Johnny because my number three is Andrew Whitworth um, it, after 2018 I think he would have been my number one guy honestly but he, he he fell off a little last year he was still by far the best offensive lineman on the team i still expect him to be the best offensive lineman in on the team next year but you could see you could see the age uh start to settle in you know he got beat a couple times and oddly enough he was penalized a lot uh i i believe i don't have him in front of me but i think he had like eight penalties last year which was really high for him and barely had any in the, his previous season with the Rams. Had a couple false starts, like just things you don't expect from a guy of that pedigree, of that age, uh, and of that skill level. But he he still overall performed well, uh, and especially in the back half of the year. Once the line improved, I think he he improved as a result uh, and, and was still the anchor of the offensive line, still the best offensive lineman on the team. Uh, I'm glad he's back. He, he was contemplating retirement. Uh, we need his leadership and we need his skill, and I, I, I still feel good about him heading into this season.
3: I think that's fair to have him because, as you mentioned, he, uh, he certainly had um a decline. I, I don't think anyone can really argue that. Uh, but my number three guy is your boy Jared Goff. So the reason why I have Jared Goff at number three is basically for. A lot of what you said. So here's the thing about Jared Goff. I believe he can be the number one guy. For sure. I think he's that good. Yeah. He's that damn good. I I think he can honestly be the number one guy. But I can't deny what I saw last, last season. He certainly wasn't as poised as he was in 2018. 2018 Goff. You know, if you're not looking at the Super Bowl anyway, 2018 Goff was easily one of the better quarterbacks in the the league. You know, I, I don't know if I can go as far as to say top five, but he was he was up there. You know, he was certainly a top 10 guy. And I think. That once he actually finds his rhythm, once he finds his flow, and that's kind of why I think there's a lot of hope with Jared Goff here. Because I think once things start to get into place, this is an entirely different offense than from 2018. So to ask a quarterback, any quarterback in this league, to basically switch offenses completely in a season is not an easy task. So now that we basically see where this offense is going, I think this is going to ultimately benefit off in the end. I can't put him in the top two, but I can certainly put him at number three. I don't think that's out of the question. I think he's a solid player and can for sure be the number one guy in 2021.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, for all the shortcomings last year, he still led us to a 9-7 and record. He still had a, uh, a positive touchdown interception ratio, although when you factor in the, the fumbles, it might have not been totally positive. I don't have those numbers, but yeah. He's a little sloppy, but there's a lot to like. And, uh, you know, for, for for people who get mad about golf detractors and that he's disrespected, I think a big part of that is there's so many good quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I mean, even just think about like seven, eight years ago, there's no chance that a guy as good as Jameis Winston would be a backup in an NFL season. You know what I mean? Like, it's really deep at the position right now. And there's a lot of good quarterbacks. And, you know, I don't think it's undisputed right now that Jared Goff is in the better half of starters. You no, know, I'd probably put him there. But there there's a lot of guys in his range. Uh, you know, pro- I mean, let's be honest. The range of those guys are right not. It's like the Kirk Cousins, the Jimmy Garoppolo's. Uh, I mean, shit, maybe the Baker Mayfield's, even though I'd have him over all those guys. that's probably, after last year, the tier of guys uh, you'd rank him with. You know, maybe Josh Allen's in there. uh but definitely room to improve, and I think the year before he was in a much higher tier than that. But it's fluctuating because it's so deep. Uh, you know, it's it, it's kind of hard when you have a guy who, if he's not performing that top half, you don't feel great about it. Even if the guy is inherently a good quarterback like Jared Goff is, and yeah, I I'm hoping at the end of the season we both have him number one as the best player in the offense. But uh, who do you got for number two?
3: Number two is Andrew Whitworth. So I, you know, I I can't deny that Andrew Whitworth did kind of fall back to um, a little bit of uh, regression thanks to, you know, age. It it, it hits him, you know, as Steve already mentioned, you know, the penalty situation that doesn't sit well with a lot of people. But let me tell you this. Can you can you name the last great offensive tackle that, or particularly left tackle that the Rams have
1: had besides Andrew Whitworth? I mean, the last even like good tackle uh, I really remember us having is Orlando Pace. Exactly, that shows
3: how important the left tackle position is because until we got. Andrew Whitworth we didn't have an offense at all that's how important the position is to a team and even though Whitworth is no longer in his prime he's still a damn good tackle in the league and I you know I have a lot of respect for Whitworth in, in particular he's a he's a guy that comes in does his job he does it right And, you know, as far as the shortcomings of the offensive line as a whole, you know, I I can't really blame him for his regression a little bit either. I still think he's going to come in, do really good things. I don't know if we can expect all pro uh, Andrew Whitworth anymore, but I still think he's going to carry that value. He's going to help lead this younger offensive lineman. And yeah, number two, I think is, is fair for a guy that has one of the most important positions in football you know we can praise the quarterback we can praise the running back we can praise the receivers all we want but none of that happens without your left tackle
1: yeah and i i think we probably talked about this at length on the all decade podcast we did which if you're new to the show uh scroll down the feed we did all decade teams for the rams which was a lot of fun but i mean he literally changed the entire culture of not only the offensive line, but the offense as a whole when he walked in the building. And part of that was on Sean McVay. Uh, he, he, part of it, yeah, it's on Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and those guys. But he was, I would say, the most important part besides McVay of that turnaround that season. He was just – we we really just hadn't seen a good offensive lineman in, in so long. So, yeah, I, I'm fine with ranking him too. I had Cooper Cup too. And I don't even want to talk about him. I think we said enough because, Johnny, I am just so happy that we both ranked Robert Woods number one. I fucking love it.
3: There's and, no question. Yeah. Robert Woods deserves it.
1: And another guy, too, that, like, you know, I, years ago when we signed Robert Woods, I, I wrote a piece for Ramstock talk talking about how bad the receiver position had been since Torrey Halt left and how like we just had mediocre after mediocre robert wide receivers and i think i mentioned on the show but i i ended it with a jab at newly signed robert woods and how mediocre he was statistically before coming here but i i am never been so happy to be wrong in my life i loved robert woods at usc i loved him coming out i thought he was a little underrated in the bills but uh you know my my ptsd of bad rams receivers didn't let me see the truth but this guy like I think Cooper Cup ceiling might be a little higher, but you know what you're going to get with Robert Woods every season. Uh he's just been so consistently good and productive. I think there there's a segment of Rams fans that like think he gets disrespected as being a like some people will say like he should be named in the top ten receivers in the league. I'd have to rank it out. I'd probably like gun in my head, I feel like he he's not at that level, but he's close enough and I, he doesn't have the volatility that a lot of top 10 guys have have or have had in, like in the past. Like uh, you look at a guy like Des Bryant or even a guy like, like he's obviously a much better player, but like Terrell Owens who was, you know, all over the place consistency wise, obviously on his best day, both those guys are much better players than Robert Woods, but every, week after week, Robert Woods, he doesn't really fluctuate. He's pretty consistent. He's always really solid and you know i he in every role he's been on with the team he's been great uh you know his screen his screen game reverses everything man i love this guy uh and he's just such a great consistent like year in and year out with with the turnover of like quality of play we've had especially from guys last year uh it was great to just consist see consistency from Robert Woods he didn't have a lot of touchdowns but so like almost twelve hundred yards, and I I think he's gonna go for another thousand next season.
3: You know, I I I feel like I missed an opportunity there to kind of mess with you a little bit because uh, I could have said no. My number one guy was Jamil Denby. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's not worth dwelling on because there there's no question Robert Woods is the number one guy. You know, this this guy, I, I, I feel like I have to take some of my fair share of crow here because although I don't know if I was that much down on Woods, I do recall when uh, the Rams did sign Robert Woods to that contract. I thought it was really like I thought they overpaid him. If anything, they underpaid the guy. He's been very, very consistent. He's easily been one of the most consistent players in the last three or four years. You know, has, has he been on the team for four years?
1: <laughs> he did. He's um, been on the team for three years, uh, so uh, this will be year
3: four. Okay, so I'm thinking ahead of the future. That's how good he is. You said um, three,
1: four, so we'll allow it.
3: Uh, okay, okay, I'm forgiven. So... Robert Woods has easily, like I said, been one of the more consistent guys and I can't help but respect this guy's game. And this is coming from a Bruin fan. You know, I, I'm not a USC fan at all. And in, in fact, as far as I'm concerned, Robert Woods didn't have a, a collegiate career. We, we drafted him out of high school, you know, um, that, that's how I'm looking at the matter. But, Robert Woods, though, I I think is one of the more underrated guys on the Rams and also in the league. He's, you know, there's not much else to say about him other than, you know, he's almost a guaranteed a thousand yard guy if he's healthy.
1: You can argue, too. um, You know, I was with you at the time. I didn't love the signing, but five years $34 Thirty-four million dollars. You could argue that's the best contract Les Snead has ever handed out. Uh, with obviously we have hindsight, but for that money and for that production we've gotten from this guy, uh, and he has never really been a burden on our cap. Uh, the most yearly money he's made was eight point nine million in twenty eighteen. He's gonna make seven this year. He's gonna make eight next year. I mean, an absolute bargain for that guy. And when you when you see the contract Sammy Watkins got when he left. When we see the contract that Cooper Cup will inevitably get, hell, when you look at the contract extension we gave Brandon Cooks, uh, that contract, you know, I think the most important free agent signing we've ever he's made less need was Whitworth. But if we're talking value for the buck you're you're paying, I think it's Woods no brainer. That it's just such a good deal, and the way it's worked out, uh, you overpay him at the time, but maybe they saw something we didn't with he was just kind of playing in Sammy Watkins, shadow in Buffalo. Uh, I I don't believe he – Oh no, never mind. He doesn't really injure, but he did miss a game or two uh, in three of his four seasons with Buffalo. Maybe they just saw something we didn't, and and clearly they did because that contract is – that's aged like a fine wine, and I I would say it's the best deal Les Needs ever handed out.
3: You could certainly make that argument. I – you know, now that I think about it, I – I don't know if there's a better contract that Les Need has ever done. You know, not to say that he hasn't had good ones other than that, but Woods ha- has been certainly one of the better ones. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful that we have him for at least one more year. So after this one.
1: It's like the only other uh, non rookie deal where you look at it and you're like, how the hell do we have this guy for this? Cap number is probably Troy Hill and I know I there was a lot of reasons why we have Troy Hill at that low of a contract because nobody wanted to sign him but uh what you know Woods could have played somewhere else and he ended up here on, on a great deal uh you could look at deals like like Aaron Donald's deal like obviously like no amount of money really would be overpaying the man but like we never really had a value contract like we do with Robert Woods uh in the last few years unless it was a rookie deal. And I mean every basically every extension he's handed out since has felt like too much money. Uh even even though in the case like Donald it obviously wasn't you couldn't really pay him less than that. But and then there's like Goff, like you know, it felt like too much money but you kinda had to do it, but then there's not to go out down a a bad memory road, but there's Alec Ogletree, there's Tavon Austin, there's Brandon Cooks, there's Todd Gurley uh I sure there's Tyler Higby, even though that one worked out. I'm sure I'm missing guys in there. Uh I mean Michael Brockers to an extent. That contract wasn't great, even though he played fine. Uh this this was this was his uh Mona Lisa was this contract. Well, Johnny, uh you know, kind of thinking of next week, given how much of a crapshoot the the first five guys we talked about on this list were I cannot even imagine who I'm going to rank as the 10th best player on this defense. <laughs> we, we will cross that road when we become to it, but there, there are going to be some question marks on that one as well. Are uh, you got any parting thoughts?
3: Um, Just can, can my Mahomes send me some money because uh, I can use some of that right about now.
1: Pat Mahomes money, baby. All right. Two spots left in the reviews. If you haven't given me a review, Give it soon. Uh, follow us on Twitter at C. Ribeiro, at johnny 50.6 at TalkRams, and we'll talk to you next week. I don't really think I'm an idiot most of the time.